Hello and welcome back to the Now Age podcast. It's me, Ruby. And on last week's episode, I shared the new episode today. It was going to be with one of my very favorite people. Didn't give any clues as to who that was going to be. <laughs> so today, the big reveal is... My guest today is one and only Alexandra Roxo, who many of you, if you've been following The Numinous for a while and following my work in general, will know has been a close collaborator of mine for many, many years now. We have created tons of amazing businesses, experiences, content, um, life happenings, all kinds of things together. And it's just been one of the most um, joyful relationships of my working life here in, in America, actually. So... I'm really thrilled to welcome Alexandra. Not only is she a dear friend, but she's an incredible teacher, thought leader, writer. She's a filmmaker. Um, and really the through line of all of her work is about helping women in particular to really feel free and empowered to live as their most whole, most expressive, most messily beautiful selves. Um, and it's been a journey to get to that place. And I'm very happy and honored to have been a part of that journey with Alexandra. So Alexandra, welcome. Thank you for being here with me today. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here. And it's funny because we have these long, interesting, opening, awakening conversations all the time, you and I. And I think it's been about a year where we've been like, we should be sharing these because the type of relationship and friendship and peer coaching, mentorship, accountability container that we've created over the last few years has been so unique to my human life experience. And I talk about it all the time because I'm so inspired by the way that we've related. And I think that it's super next level. So I'm really excited to share it today with everyone so that people can understand that friendships can be a lot more than what you think they are, what you've seen in movies <laughs> or television shows, more than the TV show Friends, okay? It's more than just pizza and Friday nights and TV. <laughs> Alexandra, I'm so happy you're saying this because I was thinking before we even got on, like, how am I going to introduce this person who's been such an important part of my life? Like, not just my work life and my professional life, but also my personal growth and understanding of myself and by co-creating this container with me that you just described. And I was thinking about how I would describe it and I'm like... Well, we're more, than, we're more than friends and we're more than collaborators and we're not lovers. So what, what is the, what's the like extra bit? And I coined a new term for us, Alexandra. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you know yeah. how I love new terminology for things. Yeah, I was going to say Ruby is really epic at this. <laughs> I think we're in a collaborationship. Ooh. Ooh. I like it's that. More like you feel like a sister and all these things to me and it's but we also like there's so much collaboration mm. that's become a relationship that kind of like feeds me on so many different levels and yes like you said so as Alexandra pointed out for the past um three years almost actually yeah. we've been yeah. ha we've had like a weekly two-hour either zoom or in-person kind of date in our calendar that's been pretty much a non-negotiable and mm -hmm. depending where we've been in the world it's been we've had it held it in different ways but it really has created a level of accountability as well as this kind of like foundation I feel like so having these weekly dates dates meetings I don't know what would you how would you describe yeah, I mean, you could look at them as as friend dates or as sessions mm. or as workshops or as mm. deep dives i mean the intentionality of the time we spent together and what we used it for was like deep growth and up leveling so even though sometimes we would be sharing about super casual things to begin it always was like an entry point into depth Mm, mm, exactly. And I think for both of us, we've really, it's helped us to grow as individuals, but I think that it's actually given us tools to take into our other relationships, be they collaborationships or friendships or love relationships or family relationships also. And so as Alexandra pointed out, we've been saying for ages, wow, we should really record some of these because there's so much juicy stuff here. 
So this is it. We're recording it today. <laughs> but really, yeah. I'd love the focus of this um, interview, I guess, if we can call it an interview, today's session, um, this podcast, this episode, to be on this idea of collaborationship and how actually it's very difficult to separate emotions and your personal needs and personal beliefs from your work life. And I think that we've been taught for so long that there has to be a separation between mm. those two things, like don't mix business and pleasure, right? Like don't mix work and play. And actually, I don't think that we live in that kind of a world anymore. And where we can successfully intertwine those two things, meaning bringing our whole being, our whole self to our working life is also a large part of this idea of a new, more feminine, feminine approach to leadership, to business, to work, and a much more sustainable approach to business and work also, which is a large part of what we've been teaching and what you teach um, in Moon Club. So I'd love us for us to kind of like just get into all the juice of what that actually looks like, because I see people all over like teaming up to kind of launch projects together, launch businesses together to do all these things because we also live in this society or this culture where we can do that now. It's super easy to kind of leap into, into doing these projects with people. And then there are going to be, as in any kind of a relationship, there are going to be ups and downs. There are going to be emotions. Things are going to get triggered. And it's like, how do you then deal with these things in a mature way that creates that places that prioritizes friendship and relationship and collaboration over the kind of like bottom line and me getting what I need out of this, you know, mm -hmm. interesting area. So yeah, what's been your kind of, I guess, what's been your experience of this collaborationship? What do you think you've learned out of the time that we've spent working together and actually really intentionally focusing on this yeah. as a as a crucible for growth yes so i do want to like i want to share that when i first met ruby that i judged her and i'm sharing that to you guys because actually some of my best friends i judged when i met them and i was repelled by them instead of drawn to them so it's funny because our nervous systems and our programmed responses are based off usually our childhoods and, and, and patterning. And so I had this programmed response around blonde women because in high school and in middle school, the blonde girls were the popular girls and they were the ones that the boys liked and they were the ones that usually didn't like me because I was... Um, more embodied speaking my voice, uh, unafraid to be a little bit different perhaps. And so I had baggage around something that simple and that cliche, right? That it's like super stereotype. Like I thought it was like a cool, hip, artsy, spiritual girl in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. And even though I liked Ruby, I still had this baggage around her literally being blonde or me having ideas about her thinking she had money and she's blonde and she's married and she's this and she's that. And so I'm saying that because I'm being really real. Some of the people that you attract into your sphere, you might be repelled by at first. The same thing happened to one of my oldest best friends when we met at NYU at college. She was sitting on the floor and stretching and she had hairy armpits and she was wild and feral and intense and I was totally shy and, and, and uh, scared to be myself still at that point at age 18. And I'm coming to New York to learn to be myself in acting school. And, and that friend has been my friend for 18 years and we've had some of the deepest experiences. So the first thing I would just tell people is, is in order to welcome in the people that potentially are going to help you change your life forever, you have to know your programming and you have to know your own baggage because the people that have the most medicine for you might be the ones that scare you the most or that you're like, eh, I don't like you. <laughs> so. Or they could show up in all kinds of different packages. It's that thing about like, don't judge a book by its cover, which is kind yeah, of exactly time. And yet we so do. And okay, I'm so happy you shared that because I was thinking about our relationship our collaborationship rather as we were leading up to record this I remember thinking I was so not cool enough for you oh <laughs> I remember yeah. thinking she's like this super cool Williamsburg lesbian 
making shows for Vice. I'm just like so fucking vanilla and like just entering into this whole kind of spirituality scene because I just started the numinous at the time. And I was so like, I wouldn't say afraid, but I just felt like you were way too cool, too cool, too edgy for me. (laughs) I know. know? That that was me really testing that stuff. Like, Mm. you know, testing that, like trying it on, like, what does it feel like to be edgy and be queer? And like, I feel probably, uh, I, I took like, um, in my personal heroine's journey, I went to, to, it's like I I set off and I went to those places and I kind of came back to where I was when I was like 22, 23, which is like liking men, um, super witchy, (laughs) wearing long dresses, you know? Um, and so that, that phase of my most Williamsburg hipstery coolness was like, some sort of an initiation, exorcism, uh, awakening, trying on an identity, which was super fun and really important for my journey. But yeah, that's what, that's how you experienced meeting me. Mm. Um, and I experienced meeting you as, you know, how I just said. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the interesting thing I think is that so that was, that was that meeting, right? And you meet somebody, you might be, your magnets might not really be in a point of attraction, but you maybe know there's like a little something karmically there. And so I think we just kept listening to that, whatever that thing is. And, and then there was a moment where there was a point for collaboration and a conversation. Exactly. It's just like a deeper conversation that revealed more of who we actually are beneath those very kind of obvious, like visual external personality kind of cues. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. And it took at that point me, you know, I left that life completely. I mean, I did a hard out. I was like, this ain't working for me. I don't like this drinking and staying up late and I'm not actually this cool. (laughs) (laughs) I prefer doing my moon rituals like I've been doing since my early twenties and I want to just live in nature again and be, you know, at that point LA was as close to that as possible. (laughs) But this is like, okay, so I think there was a, there there was a seed there that we knew, we knew there was a karmic connection. We knew there was something. And Mm -hmm. just to backtrack for people that don't know, we met because around the time I was launching the numinous, um, Alexandra was producing and creating, uh, directing and starring in a web show called Be Here Nowish, which was kind of a spoof on everything, all the subjects I was covering on the Numinous. But I was also covering all of these things, astrology, tarot, plant medicine, shamanic work through a very kind of um, modern, modernized lens, I suppose. So we both actually, and I think this is what we saw in each other, knew that these tools were super valuable and we both felt passionate about bringing them to a much wider audience as, as possible. And to really kind of like normalizing and bringing out of the spiritual closet, as it were, many of these practices that we had both found to be very beneficial in our lives. And we both knew that to do this in, in a way that would make them as accessible as possible was to kind of popularize them and sort of maybe make them a bit, a little lighter or, invite people in through the lens of humor and so I think we saw that in each other and it was after but then of course our you know our relationship our collaborationship ramped up after you moved to LA left that filmmaking life behind and began living as the character in being ish and I think (laughs) the thing the thing was is like for me I had been living in that conscious spiritual ritualistic life since my early 20s but I had be here now which was a bridge to making that mainstream but I realized you know it was super fun but even that was like making fun of it a little bit in in too much levity you know Mm -hmm. and even that was it wasn't perfectly aligned to go further than it did it was Mm -hmm. perfect for when it was so the Mm -hmm. web show you guys can watch it out there and it's super silly and fun and there's many deep moments as well but I think that at a certain point, Ruby and I kind of graduated from sharing those things on the surface and like, ooh, astrology is fashionable and fun. And ooh, be here now. Look at us. We're like fucking hip as fuck and doing ayahuasca. Ha ha ha. Um, And I think we both kind of were like, wait a minute, this stuff is rooted in beautiful ancient depth. And maybe there's some more reverence Mm. and some more sacredness Mm. and some more 
um, respect that we can bring to this pra these practices and share them in a way that actually is deep because undermining the practices by making them too silly then it it alleviates the depth that's possible mm. so and I it think doesn't invite people into that depth exactly yeah, yeah so i think this makes sense you guys it's like if you're like fucking cool as fuck about everything you know like oh yeah i go to yoga but like whatever i have a martini after like there is a mask there and i think a lot of i think that a lot of people um we're okay with engaging with spiritual practices from like a toe in and also from still keeping their cool dude facade um, and keeping it light and keeping it like, well, we're not going to have to look at who we truly are and what's out of alignment. You know, we're going to do this as it serves us and then kind of like keep partying it up. And I think that you and I were called into our purpose a little bit more deeply of like, uh, actually, no, <laughs> like actually let's engage with this stuff for real. Mm, like mm. let's see the value and not just kind of be like, Oh yeah, astrology is fluffy and pretty and sparkly and like, you know, plant medicine's cool. And then, but also I'm going to party after like there was a shift. There was a definite shift. And I feel like we met at a time when we were ready to kind of like move beyond that. We've mm -hmm. both been kind of like engaged in it. Well, presenting these subjects in perhaps a more surface way. It's funny when I look back through the years of the numinous content, like back in the day when I first started, it was kind of like tons of fashion articles and get this look to be more Pisces and all this kind of stuff. And then over the years, it kind of got deeper and deeper and more meaningful as the work worked on me as yeah. I was kind of undergoing a transformation through engaging in all of these practices and realizing that so much of that mask had been in place for me even though I'd left the fashion industry it was still there in this kind of new spiritual space but slowly slowly the practices themselves and developing relationships and connections with people like you to practice with stripped all those layers away and I yeah. guess I became more um more conscious of wanting to share these practices in a way that kept them accessible but share them as the real deal, like the real yeah. deal, the whole lot, like you're going to come here and you're going to transform and you're going to meet yourself on a whole different level, but still make it super welcoming, make it for everyone, you know, mm -hmm. dissolve the kind of hierarchies that have existed around a lot of spiritual practices, I guess. Yeah. And the patriarchalness of so exactly. many spiritual practices that were presented to us through like Vedic meditation or TM, which we love those things. There's no hate there at all, but like mm. those are coming from male models. And um, so a lot of the, the systems and the ways that we were learning spiritual practice and me in my early twenties were coming through these slightly dogmatic, patriarchal, very structured ways. And when I I had this kind of I would say come to Jesus moment though Jesus was there with me in this ceremony but um I say that <laughs> in cheek but I had this come to Jesus moment when I did three nights of plant medicine ceremony which is now like um I think two years ago or three I can't even remember but this was the moment where it was like it must have been three I I was like, Alexandra, you've been standing on stages in New York and you've been in magazines and you think you're so fucking cool. And you're like, yeah, I meditate, but I'm also like, you know, doing MDMA. And it was like only this one little phase of my life that I did that. But it was enough that it was like, okay, we just got sidetracked on the wrong track. Not a wrong track, but like, let's get back on track. Mm -hmm. And so that medicine was like, it's time for you to step it up. And if you're going to help the world, help the world. Don't just stand there trying to be cool, you know? Yeah. And, um, and that's when I came to Ruby and I was like, I have this really weird visionary idea to do this online transformational work with people like coaching and healing and teaching. And I have no, I've never done something like this. <laughs> I've been a filmmaker and an artist for the last 10 years. And um, I just felt safe to share it with Ruby. I remember when you came for dinner at my house and suggested this, I, it was an immediate full body yes from me because I'd been wanting to find a way to actually help people really benefit on a very human level from what I was writing about and sharing in a kind of like journalistic way 
on the numinous, you know, and it felt like how can people actually engage in these practices, particularly if they're not living in cities where there are now, you know, healing workshops happening and healing spaces. Like we were living in New York and LA and had quite easy access to these things. Whereas for vast swathes of the population, it was still very remote, um, still very dogmatic, like you said, and very un unapproachable. And yeah. I knew I got the sense that a lot of people in the numinous community were feeling quite isolated if they were awakening to maybe their own intuitive gifts or even just to an interest in exploring these kind of esoteric subjects. Um, so when you came to me and presented this idea, it felt like it would be a really good way to help bring this to the numinous community in a way that had meaning and depth um, and would help people feel not so alone in their explorations spiritually. Yeah. And that moment was so important. And, and I think about that moment because especially for anyone who's listening, who wants to have a, a vision or a dream or a creative idea and potentially one that could change your life and many other people's lives. Um, it really took a lot of space and a lot of having no fucking clue what was coming next in my life <laughs> to, to hear that voice. And I always tell people I got that idea in the middle of an orgasm. <laughs> I was literally just before you said that kind of go, so Alex, I don't know if you've ever told me where you got the actual idea. <laughs> it literally came. <laughs> wow. So clear, and it's like such the you know <laughs> sex magic. And like, well, this is sex magic, yeah. And manifestation with sex, and mm. it was so clear. And um, but I didn't really really understand what it was. No one that we knew of were doing online rituals and or like healings where yeah. people could actually have an energetic healing through the computer. Like, that seemed trippy as fuck. Yeah. And it just seemed like, wait, is that really going to work? And so it, that's the part that was a visionary idea. It was cutting edge to be like, oh, we can actually change people's energetic makeup. Like, their hearts are going to crack open, and they're going to see things about their childhood, and they're going to put um, pieces together about why they're blocked in areas of their lives through this work, through us leading them in meditation and shamanic journey in moon ritual. Mm -hmm. That was the part that was a big question mark. And that's why Ruby and I did for free for a year once a month to test it out. And people were fucking loving it. And like, I remember at the beginning, like hundreds of people, mm -hmm. they were free. Mm -hmm. Hundreds of people were showing up. Mm -hmm to do moon ritual with us. I want to just backtrack a little bit. You described it as a visionary idea. I'd love to hear from you because you are, you have so many great ideas. You're mm. Gem Gemini rising, Aquarius moon. You're just like bursting with ideas and they're often at the edge, right? And I think that's one thing we share in common and we kind of, we um, alchemize that in each other. And it's something I've really got out of this relationship. It's just, I've said to you before, it feels like magic happens when we get into that creative zone together because the ideas are just so like yeah. potent. When you get a, when you have an idea, like a visionary idea, how do they come to you? Like, is it a vision? Is it just the, I, I, I often will get the name for something. Like the name mm. will come first. And then from there, I kind of work backwards. <laughs> like the word, the title will come first. How does it happen for you? Well, I love this conversation because I've been thinking about it a lot. I'm going to first say it doesn't happen with an overscheduled calendar. Mm -hmm. It doesn't happen with, you know, no space. You need space in order to receive, whether you're receiving love, whether you're receiving ideas or money. It will not come. Any of that won't come if there's not space. So the thing about receiving this Moon Club idea, and, and Liz Gilbert's book, Big Magic, is a great idea book also mm. um yeah I, but I write about this and I wrote about this the other day on my Instagram that if you are not at the place to receive you won't get an idea you have to be in receiving mode which means space softness vulnerability and opening right so when I received the moon club idea I literally I my life had kind of crumbled but self-crumbling I decided that it wasn't working so I left New York. I was living in LA in this little house with some people um, that I didn't really know. I, I didn't know what it was coming next. And it was a really terrifying time financially. I was in 
debt. I had had agents at CAA. We were pitching a television show. I was meeting with Steven Soderbergh to talk about another television show, directing it. I had been on his television show for four episodes. I had been directing commercials. I really thought like my life was going in this one direction and like that I was gonna fucking take off in that direction. I had producers lined up for a project that were Sundance producers. And so you would think like I was fucking crazy to live, to leave that. <laughs> and I did leave that. I was crazy in the best way that I felt like that wasn't actually aligned anymore. So I did leave that stuff. I left it, completely left it. And I sat in, in, in financial zero and I sat in quiet. And in that quiet, I just kept doing, practicing my daily meditation, my journaling, crying, bathing, walking, hiking, basics. I always say basics for people when you're between things, when you're in the void. Being in the void is, is the most magical place, you know. It's the scariest place. And it's the place where you do find expansion between A and B. And in, this is very ancient spiritual stuff. You know, mm. you can look back at all sorts of Buddhist texts and things. Well, I was just going to say, like every single spiritual tradition will have written into it some kind of a period of the abstinence or fasting or like removing oneself, hermiting from life in order to have this, foster this communication with the divine. Exactly. And the problem is, is if you don't create that space, that void, that bardo, that hermitage, that hanged man, whatever... If you don't do it, then you will likely be regurgitating other people's ideas and just putting a little spin and following formulas, which is totally fine, but that's not what I came for, and my soul knew, knew that. So mm. when Be Here Nowish came, it was super cutting edge. No one was putting any of that in the show, you know, and um, it came in a quiet, you know, it came in a very quiet zone. So when Moon Club came, it also came in a quiet zone. The, Ruby and I have another idea that we're currently working on together, another vision. And again, like it came from us making some space. Like it probably, if we wouldn't have split Moon Club and, mm. and you left and done your own thing, we wouldn't have had space to receive a new idea together. Totally. Exactly. <laughs> and I want to talk about that whole kind of, I have, I've only kind of announced in little bits and pieces here and there that I'm no longer part of Moon Club. So I want to talk yeah. about that whole piece as well. But yeah, yeah, sharing is resonating with me so, so much since finishing my promotion for Sober Curious just a couple of weeks ago now. I've really cleared my calendar of everything. Like I've just not been putting anything in. I no longer have Moon Club to worry about and work on. Um, I'm not really putting any content onto the Numinous besides our super regular stuff and, and doing these podcasts. And just for the first time, a couple of days ago, I was reintroduced to a part of myself that I'd forgotten even existed. Mm. And she is that super creative, like mad ideas, like visionary self who has got me to where I am in my career now. And yet who I had become so separated from through mm. my obsession and my own addiction to busyness, Mm -hmm. I'd forgotten she even really existed. And what mm -hmm. I was, there was a kind of a version of her, like a fake kind of like semi version of her that was still making all these things happen, but it wasn't really her. And I felt mm -hmm. her again the other day and I was just like, I was so excited because I was like, oh my God, mm -hmm. she's here. This is, yes. And it made mm -hmm. me realize how fucking busy I make myself. You described that space, that nothing space as being very frightening because it's within that space that we don't know the outcome. We d can't mm -hmm. make a plan. We don't know what's coming next. And so we tend to freak the fuck out. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like, you know, social media, this kind of always on culture has risen to met the need for people to not have to feel that fear, for people to not have to yeah. feel that discomfort, that nothingness discomfort. And yeah. so we're all just being fed this constant information, constant things to click, constant things to do like the whole time. And yeah. actually engaging from that. And I'm not, I'm, you know, I have a mixed, a love-hate relationship with social media, but that's kind of my thing. Some, for some people, it may not be that you need to get rid of the social media. It's like other stuff that you need to clear out. But um, yeah, I think, we have to, in this day and age, consciously make an effort to put ourselves in that space if we want to create something that feels really true to us, that's going to have long-lasting, worthwhile value in the world. 
Absolutely. And that's why retreats are epic Mm -hmm. and going on a retreat with teachers that you love. And then you have quiet time there. And in those quiets, you'll sit with your journal and you'll be staring at the sea or staring at a tree. And then all of a sudden you'll be like, fuck, here's an idea or something's confined to me now. So retreats are a beautiful place. Travel for me is a beautiful place where I am inspired by ideas. Um, nature i'm also really inspired and i have taken your lead ruby to take um weekends away from social media and my phone and to create space there which it it also can be frightening and a lonely place depending on on um where you are what your plans are on a weekend say but you know i decided to come up to to penga canyon to spend my birthday month quiet up in the woods alone and I have also reconnected to that part of me that is creative and visionary and that's an artist and um that doesn't really care what everyone else is doing and it's just happy doing me and if people like that cool if I'm successful with it cool if I'm, you know, semi-successful, cool. And I think that it's important to come back to those values of what makes you feel good on the regular. And what makes me feel good regularly is taking good care of myself, having healthy relationships, making art, writing, and um, mentoring other women to becoming like fabulous, gorgeous healed goddesses who are unafraid to face their their wounds and to stand tall and you know all of that clarity requires space and time mm-hmm. and space and time are a luxury so we know we're saying this to you mm-hmm. and you might be like oh my god i have three kids that i work a full-time job like what the fuck am i supposed to do? so space and time are luxury and they are what gives space for creativity and creative ideas and clarity in who you are becoming and who you are best meant to become even if you're a busy full-time worker and mom I have clients who have also been in that position but to somehow find you know an hour in the morning or at night and to drop into spaciousness and clarity and calm and so I just I don't really believe the excuse anymore that we're too busy to take care of ourselves or that we're too busy to have creative ideas because I've seen the opposite, you know, I've seen like one of my clients who's a moon club member, a former client, I mean, she works full time as an engineer, also in night school to get her doctorate and was having time to go out to the woods and do rituals and to dance daily and to bathe herself beautifully and to reclaim her sort of inner feminine that she had felt she lost after having children and to design a program for other female engineers who feel limited by being in a male-centric workplace and need support. And I'm like, um, yeah, you, 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 we can do anything, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the mindset, and, and it, yes, it takes the resources. Yes, it takes time. It takes space. But even when I've been the brokest and the busiest, I still found time. I would wake up at 5.30 and spend two hours writing a script, a play, a book, a proposal and I would just find the time for my ideas and the visions to come through and Liz Gilbert talks about this in Big Magic too. I think that I feel like as much as there are always things that need doing there are always things we can stop doing to create that space. It yeah. may not seem obvious that these are things we can let go but actually if we really take a step out of our life and fully assess all of the different places we're giving our time and energy to there's always some things that can go. We might not want to let them go. They might be things that we love, but if we need more space and we're feeling creatively burnt out or we're feeling even just like emotionally and mentally and spiritually burnt out and like we don't have any time for ourselves, then really doing a, a, a very honest inventory of your life and looking at mm-hmm. what are even the things that I think I love doing that I could mm-hmm. actually just stop doing. For mm-hmm. me, a big part of this is like literally allowing myself time to just do nothing. And that mm-hmm. might mean I'm seeing less friends in a week, or it might mm-hmm. mean I'm, I don't know, it might even mean I'm watching less TV, like whatever it is, you know, yeah. there's always something 
that can be struck off or let go. There's a shedding. And okay, so let's get into this. So a big, the the big one for me this year, I guess, has been Moon Club, right? So Alexandra shared how she came to me this idea for Moon Club and we set it up as co-founders. We were very much co-creators of this project, of this group, of this idea, of this baby together, you know? And for a little under three years, two and a half years, we ran it as co-founders, although not quite. Because Mm -hmm. six months or so into the program launching, I had my first book come out. And I had no idea at the time that that would blindside me in the way that it did. Um, It was a really, it just felt like such a huge undertaking. And it took a much greater kind of emotional toll than I'd been expecting as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Nothing could have really anticipated that, I don't think. And then I sort of came out and I remember actually I was doing my, I did my London book event for um, Material Girl Mystical World and then had to race back to my hotel to get on a Zoom call to co-lead a ritual with you. And I, I was just a bit like, what am I doing? I'm, I, I, can't, I can't be giving anything. I can't be giving enough of myself to either of these projects for them to really thrive because I'm stretching myself so thin here. And that, I guess, was a, a bit of an amber warning signal mm-hmm. <laughs> about what was to come, maybe. And then Alexandra very graciously, as a result, largely of the fact that we have um, fostered this very, very open um, communication style where we've really made it very clear to each other expressly, you, it's okay for you to tell me exactly what you need. I can yeah. take it. In fact, please do, because let's just be completely transparent with each other always. That's kind of like how we've set this up. Um, We were able to have a very real conversation where you agreed that you were going to kind of step it up and lead the group while I took some time out to recover from the book. I sort of said, that's okay. I'm going to be back in a year. And then I went and pitched another book, which yeah, was typically again, me kind of just, I can do all these things I can like make pull all these things out of the bag. I can manage a gazillion things at once. There are 24 hours in the day. That sort of busyness mentality again, kind of at play, I suppose. Um, and so again, Alexandra was left kind of holding the group and growing the group and doing the majority of the work in cultivating the community of the group, waiting for me to show up again fully. And yeah, we talked about this, or at least we thought... <laughs> We thought mm. intellectually, we, this was all out in the open and we were all okay. And we had multiple conversations about it and about what the share of the workload was going to be and how that would be reflected in our salaries. And we were very open about it all the way along. But then fast forward to the beginning of this year, when I'm in the midst of book launch two, number two, going through all of the same emotions. I went into it thinking, oh, I've done this once. I'll be fine this time. But no, all the same feelings of vulnerability and doubt, self-doubt and overwhelm and overwork as the first time um and yeah that's when it got really real we had to get really really real about what was going on here and for me I came to a point where I knew that something had to go and -hmm. I came to the point where okay if I'm committing to Moon Club with Alexandra then the newness has to go and I was like that's it I'm just going to be full-time on Moon Club with Alexandra and the newness will go And we kind of like had a really fun meeting about this and we're envisaging the future of the group and how we were going to commit to it together. And then, no, we had to get really real with each other. So what happened next, Alexandra? (laughs) So for me, this tied into a pattern that was in my former collaboration that ended real um, intensely. And in that collaboration, I put my own needs aside for my collaborator we both had film scripts we were working on and mine had producers attached and it was a Sundance Lab finalist and I was all primed and ready to, to make the movie. And then I got into this collaboration and she said, I've been wanting to make my movie for the past four years. And so I said, you know what, I'm going to put mine aside and I'm going to help you make yours. We'll raise the money. We'll do it. And I did. And I was resentful of her, which was not fair um, because I was really mad at myself because I had put my, my own needs aside. So that ended sadly and badly. And, you know, I say badly, relatively speaking, it was perfect. I thank that experience for everything it taught me. And I say that from actually deep truth. Um, And so coming into the collaboration with Ruby, 
I didn't even know I was repeating, right? So I wanted to make, I wanted to write a book. I had two proposals I was working on. Um, but I was like, it's okay. I'll put it aside and I'll like hold space for her to do her thing. And I'll, I'll take care of the other stuff while she's doing her thing. And then I know she'll come back, you know? And so there's this, you know, and this pattern is, it's something that I've really put to rest, which is hoping people show up as anything other than what they're already showing up as. Now, this is a toughie, you guys. I know we don't want to accept this. <laughs> but in love, in collaboration, in relationship, the person who is showing up to you again and again and again is the person. So they are who they are. So you hoping that maybe in three months they're going to do it differently or in six months is actually lying to yourself and not looking at the truth. And this is a hard one. Ruby and I both were in the space of hoping and crafting and hoping that things would shift, whatever. But the reality we weren't willing to look at, which was, hey, like my books are more important and they're going to keep being that. And so is the numinous. So we either need to figure out a financial structure and a business structure that works for that or I need to get out. But we had this emotional and spiritual relationship that we didn't want to admit that at times. So we were always like, it's cool, we'll keep it going. No, it's fine, I got you girl, don't worry. Da, da, da. So what I've learned about myself is just like, whether it's in dating, I, the same thing has happened to me in the past of dating. I'm like, someone's like, no, 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 I'm gonna show up differently really soon. Just, just wait, just wait. And I'm like, okay, cool. And they're like, no, 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 I'm working on it. And I'm like, okay, cool. And then I'm like, Alexandra, why not, <laughs> why not just be in a relationship with someone who is showing up, take them at face value, basically. Take them at face value or let them go because it's not fair. So anyway, that's just the backstory on that. And I'm telling everybody who's listening because if you get into a relationship or a collaboration with a hope for how something could be differently, it's not fair to you or to them. They're going to feel it in the air that they're always disappointing you. And that feels fucking shitty. And you're going to feel that you always want something from them that they cannot give you. So the dynamic is off. Now, Ruby and I did a really good job mitigating that because we checked in so much about our emotions. So we weren't really in that yucky dynamic on the surface. Underneath, yes. Underneath in the subconscious layers, I wanted something from her that she wasn't able to give me and she felt guilty. And that is a yucky dynamic. And so this January, February, whenever it was, I said, no more. We January. do not need to be in that dynamic. Mm -hmm. No way. I love you too much. You're too important to me. I'm not willing to, to allow this to continue. And that was freedom for us complete freedom. Mm. And in a sense, it didn't have that much to do with actual business. It was like us learning to let each other free, you know, like, and to just be completely honest and true with the people around us as to who we are in the here and now, and not, not, not expecting more from people or not promising more and allowing change to happen and knowing that it doesn't have to be tragic and allowing people to be exactly who they are and, and, how they thrive and who they are that allows them to thrive. Like for me, I love being a coach and a healer and a mentor and a leader of other women. That's my passion. That's my, that's my purpose. And Ruby's purpose was not the exact same thing. So it didn't make sense to hold her to, Hey, like, why aren't you doing this with me? Like, that's not your purpose. That's not your thing that gets you off. So that in itself was literally like us being in a ceremony together in a healing container because we got to work through that stuff in real time together. And we saw it as it was happening. We never ran away. We didn't blame each other or shame each other. We actually were like, wow, this is fucking juicy as fuck. We're this getting some showing me exactly. This is showing me so much stuff about myself that I kind of knew, but didn't want to know, thank you so much for this beautiful mirror. And it almost was like a ceremony. I mean, that conversation, we were sat on cushions and kind of sitting opposite each other in a place you were staying in LA. And in a way, like I realized I had to get to the point where 
I was going to let the numinous go and feel the intense, like gut-wrenching sadness mm. of that before I realized that I couldn't, that actually I had to choose the numinous over Moon Club. I had to get to the end of that kind of like, I'm actually going to let this go. I'm yeah. going to cut this off and I'm just going to focus on this to realize that, that, that the numinous is still my path. And as well, I think, you know, for part of it, for part of it for me was Moon Club was the first way I was able to make money with the numinous. And so I was clinging on to it as a way to have some kind of a revenue stream. You know, mm. I was doing my contribution. So I was earning what I was kind of getting out of it. But I, I've really beaten myself up in the past about not prioritizing making money and kind of like putting my creative fulfillment first because it's left me in lots of periods of anxiety where I haven't known where my income is coming from. And so I thought I was being sensible by prioritizing the financial piece. But what I realized about me is that like, actually I can't, that's just like, it's not fair on my creativity. It's definitely not fair on you and Moon Club and what you're creating there, which is such a heart centered business, you know? So again, mm -hmm. it was a reminder for me that like, for me personally, I cannot prioritize money. What I need to do is build money into my own creative dream and be mm -hmm. smart about it, but I can't mm -hmm. do things just for the money. Particularly exactly. something that, that is about healing and that's, you know, coming from this very heart centered place. It just cannot be. Exactly. And so we freed each other essentially by being really, 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 really real. Really, really and I will, real. <laughs> I will tell you guys that there was a week that was real hard and the Ruby and I, I think we're masters at conscious communication and relating. And here's the thing. We didn't hold back. Mm. I let myself get angry and I shared my anger. Did I project my anger and spew my anger? No. And there is a difference. And I teach this stuff in Moon Club. So if you're like, I don't know what you're talking about, but, <laughs> but we shared openly. I'm hurt. I feel abandoned. I feel neglected. I feel angry. I feel resentful. I, and it was so powerful to not have each other run away or shut down, but instead say, cool, I'm holding space for you right now. What do you need from me now? You're angry at me? Cool. What do you need from me? I just need you to listen. Fabulous. Thank you. Mm. I need a few days. Fabulous. Thank you. Mm. And not taking it personally. Mm. Like emotions are not personal. Like in that sense, it's like that showed me like, whoa, this, this, this collaboration ship is fucking next level. Like she didn't take it personally that I got angry and that I got shaky and that my voice got shaky and that I cried and that fire was moving through me and emotions because likely some of that didn't even have to do with her. It's past stuff that's just moving through me. It's like you open that vault and it's moving through you, right? It's like mm. you consider falling in love and your heart starts opening and all of a sudden all this shit rises to the surface. It's not even about that person. It's about all the other times you were hurt before. Mm. But if you just shut that stuff away and deny it and ignore it, then you will miss a gigantic up-leveling experience. And so Ruby and I were like, no, this is... This is the gorgeous transformational work that we talk about, us saying everything. And it's the basis of Moon Club is sharing and being witnessed and seen in your full expression and knowing that you're safe and that it's okay and that you are loved as you. You don't have to be anything else besides what you are exactly in this moment. And that also it's not anybody else's responsibility to take that on or to fix you. No. All we have to do for each other is to be there to witness and allow safely that to be expressed. Yes. You know, what, we, what I didn't do was take your anger personally. There were times when I felt that. I felt it as a personal attack, but I was able to take a step back and say, I, comp I, I completely understand why Alexandra is feeling this way. And I'm going to allow that. I'm going to allow that to be in my space. And I'm not going to take it personally. And I'm not going to leap in and try and fix her in this situation. I'm just going to yes. leave you there. And interesting to note as well, this actually, <laughs> this period of communication happened while I was in London and you were in LA. So we have eight hours time difference. And we're doing it all on voice notes and email and text mm -hmm. messages. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like trying to get on Wi-Fi to like listen to your voice notes and send you another update. And in a way, I feel like having that distance was perhaps yeah. helpful. It was. Instead of it being like a really intense kind of pressure cooker situation, we were forced into giving it time to breathe and mm -hmm. time for our emotions to settle 
Yes. Time to reflect and time to think. And it just makes me think about, there was a meme going around on Instagram today. You might have seen it. Something about, you know, don't, don't, um, don't cut off things that could be potentially good for you in the long run. Um, as a, as a way of like avoiding a conflict or something like that. It was like, mm -hmm. learn, com learn conflict resolution mm -hmm. rather than just saying, I'm letting this go. It doesn't serve me. And turn oh, yeah. Total, away. Total you know I mean? Like yeah. le leaning into the conflict. And I think that what we had was a really great experience of a healthy conflict resolution. Yes. And I think this is, you know, collaboration ships get tricky when they fall apart or when you have to unpick something that you've created together because then comes the place like who owns what and mm -hmm. all the contractual stuff that we've been taught by the patriarchy is what actually creates the container gets mm -hmm. questioned. It's like, okay, I have a contract that says this. Well, mm -hmm. that means fuck all in the face of this friendship and what's actually gone down on a heart level here. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. How, how do we confront that in yeah. this different paradigm that we're moving towards, which brings it back to this idea of a more feminine way of doing business, you know, mm -hmm. a more feminine approach to collaboration, to negotiation, to that actually allows space for feelings and allows space for the unseen elements of what that relationship has been or what that, you know, that um, collaboration has been. Not, this, not just the stuff that's written down on a piece of paper and a contract that then makes it so, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> I think I got to a point with it where I was like, the contract, that contract we had together meant absolutely nothing. I was way more, our friendship is the, the only contract that I'm concerned with. I'm concerned with yeah. us having a sustainable relationship going forward. Like, fuck whatever the contract says you know yeah I feel that in my heart deeply and it just feels so next level mm. the piece of paper um mm. and the two people we were at that moment of that paper and the way that our minds and hearts were operating at that time is so different and mm. not saying for people don't make contracts please make contracts but then also asking yourself you are in the here and now and how that fits and feels good or not good and speaking up about it. You know, you can always speak up about it. A friend of mine hired a coach and couldn't uphold part of her contract and she felt, you know, she didn't want to say it. And the coach said, hello, why don't you just call me and say, could we amend the contract, please? And I think we're afraid of these moments. And, and my friend was like, oh. Yeah, that's a great idea. <laughs> because we're um, afraid of conflict. We're afraid, we're afraid of conflict. Like, and so I want people to feel like, here's the thing. You can, you, you know, I say this in my workshops and I say this when I'm teaching and, and one of my acting teachers said it to me. He said, how hot can you take it? How hot can you make it? So literally the depth of what you set the intention for will be the depth of what you get back, right? So you can have friendships or collaborations that are just kind of surface and light and easy breezy, or you can have ones that like turn you into a fucking butterfly goddess, next level, whoever the fuck you are. And you can literally do that by just setting an intention with a friend and clarifying some things, you know, like, I had a friend recently, my friend Moon, and, and I said, you know, I don't like us just voice noting and not having like clarity as to when we respond. Because if I send you a really vulnerable share and I don't hear back for like two days, I feel really naked and afraid and like just not good. And so I said, you know, in order for us to preserve the intimacy and the connection and the depth that we have so that we can both feel safe to keep being really vulnerable, could we just set a week phone call so that, so that really we have this kind of place where we touch base? Because I knew that that worked so well with me and Ruby. It created safety and it cre created a space for intimacy and vulnerability. And then now I feel way safer in my other friendship. And sometimes it's just making some clear just boundaries and guidelines mm. as to like what feels right for you in a collaboration or a friendship you know mm. is it is it having some certain guidelines is it timing a share you know like we do moon club we time shares um we ask each other certain questions maybe you start out a conversation with someone you love or even your partner by asking three the same questions every time you know it's up to us to graduate 
from the programming around relating that we were given, right? We watched television shows like Full House and Save with Bell and Friends and The Notebook and Sex and the City. And that's what we mimicked our behavior off of. And I, I definitely don't want my the way that I relate to my friends, family, and lovers to look like that. So it's up to us to, to implement and create those beautiful changes. And so that maybe we start every conversation with a compliment to each other. Like, Ruby, today I see in you this calm, this beautiful calm, and it's really nourishing to my nervous system. And that completely sets a different tone for a conversation between two people. And I think that for Ruby and I, it was two hours a week for two years. And in that time, we both graduated from lack and scarcity mindset. We both helped each other and held each other to be seen in our full power publicly. We, we went from being scared to speak in front of rooms of people to speaking in front of rooms of hundreds of people. And leading and retreats. And leading retreats. You know, the, the, the clear up levels that we were able mm -hmm. to hold each other through were truly because we had that depth of that container and we were mirroring each other and saying, hey, I'm seeing this. Hey, I'm seeing this. Where are you growing? Where are you afraid? Where are you falling short? What's keeping you holding back? So whether it's a coach, which is a great way to do this work, or whether it's a friend, you can create that. But what Ruby said that's so important is no agendas for fixing or teaching the person in front of you, right? So we never did that with each other. Like we did not come into the container and say, Ruby, I think you should do this. No, Ruby would share where she's at. I would share where I'm at. And if I ask, hey, could, do you have any feedback? But honestly, usually it was witnessing, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that you've, you've really modeled to me how important it is to set the, to be very, to be intentional with communication, with all kinds of communication. It's like, you know, I sort of see ritual as your art form and it's what you teach in Moon Club and it's what you're mm -hmm. gifting women who are in the, the Moon Club program, you know? So for me, I just think that relationships and friendships can be so much more fun when we add some magic in there. So for me, a ritual, like, gathering my friends and saying like let's all share a poem to begin I mean you might be like oh that's cheesy well I'm sorry maybe that's not your vibe pick something that feels good for you but creating intentionality around the way that we relate because the problem is if we do not create intentionality we go into programming okay so if we don't create a new paradigm then guess what happens when I see you hi how are you I'm fine you're fine too the weather is nice that is robot talk. That is so freaking boring. And I feel like this is why a lot of, why we use alcohol in so many of our social interactions. Cause it kind of like, that's something that shocks us out of that might make us say something controversial, yeah. something true or something vulnerable because we've numbed out from the discomfort that that can bring up, you know? So yeah. Yeah. So it's just, for me, it's a creative choice. Like I want to live my life like magic, creativity, fun, joy play so i'm not gonna just opt into hi how are you i'm fine i'm getting let's have a tequila shot and get things real no that doesn't get no i actually like last night i walked into my friend's house and we had decided we we're gonna do a ritual before dinner because we're all up leveling and i said sit down and close your eyes and then i spoke i read the lyrics to a song that i'm learning with my vocal teacher but I read them out loud as a dramatic monologue. And I was like, fuck, this feels so good. I haven't done a dramatic monologue in so long. And there, it was a Bjork song. And then we did this whole exercise that was so powerful, which was part of my ritual. And I'm like, um, we could have done that or we could have just like chatted about things. We chatted at dinner later. But for me at this point in my life, I want everything to be as magical and artistic and ritualistic as possible while serving the world, while helping others, while bringing more truth, more consciousness, more honesty, and just showing that there is another way to live besides the ones that we've been presented with. So our collaboration ship is a perfect example of there is another way.
-hmm. and there are feelings involved and the feelings are welcome. Mm -hmm. There are times when you show up to a meeting and you feel like shit and you're allowed to tell your collaborator and help each other out instead of pretend. There are times when you disappoint each other and you're allowed to talk about it. There are times when expectations crowd the room and you're allowed to talk about it. And we're living a lie if we aren't saying those things out loud. Mm. So it's up to you how you create the way you communicate and show up. Are you going to be real or are you not? (laughs) Mm -hmm. How much time have we already got here? I mean, like, (laughs) what are we actually doing? Yeah. Exactly. So this is some of the stuff we're going to be teaching on our next retreat together. This is one of my, one of my favorite things that's come out of our collaboration ship has been the retreats that we've kind of programmed and devised together. And we have two coming up, one in May at 1440 Multiversity and one in July at Kripalu. Um, and both of them are around these kind of themes and we'll be using astrology and storytelling and ritual and body work to guide participants into feeling okay to a place where they feel okay to, to be this intentional about their lives, to put themselves first, to ask for what they want and what they need from their relationships, from their work life. Um, so uh, yeah, I can't wait to, I can't wait to dive in. And people who have come to the retreats that Ruby and I have led together have left completely changed, have had the courage to be vulnerable and authentic in their businesses, to shine publicly, to um, bring more depth to their relationships, and have such a better understanding of themselves and their mission and their journeys and their gifts and their strengths. I honestly, um, watching our our participants and moon club members come to retreats and like I'm floored. My jaw drops sometimes when I see the light and the truth radiating from these people after they rip off the masks Mm. and the layers of bullshit and cultural programming Mm. and pain. And all of a sudden, by the time they leave, they've unmasked, they've peeled off old stagnant layers. And I'm just like, who are you? You're epic. Like I'm so stoked for what you're going to bring to the world. And the mm-hmm. cool thing is we've seen it happen. So you, mm-hmm. you know, I can name like a 10 people on my it's both hands that I've been, it's been such a pleasure to watch them grow and shine from being mentored and um, guided by us. You know who they are too. And like mm. only a few of them who are, who are New York and LA crew. Exactly. That we've actually had yeah. of like person to person contact with, but it's almost like, as you were describing that, I'm just envisaging, I'm just kind of imagining witnessing these women leaving our retreats, our circles kind of almost twice doubled in size energetically, yeah. like taking up double the amount of energetic space. Yeah. And therefore so much more powerful in the world, having so much more trust in themselves and confidence yeah. in themselves. And yeah, it's an incredible thing to witness and to be able to enable that for people. Because really it's work that they're doing entirely on this on them on yeah. their own. Like it's work they're doing themselves. We're just creating the space for them. Exactly. And we're holding that deep space. We're providing really clear time and tools and presence, you know, because mm-hmm. Ruby and I's presence as guiding forces for you to help you find more of yourself and your power and your gifts. That's what we do as mentors, as leaders, as coaches, as authors, is that is part of it. So these opportunities to work with us live are life-changing and they are you know they're a, a moment where when our one-on-ones are uh we don't have as much time to do one-on-ones with everyone so getting this mm. opportunity to work with us in person can be a really up-leveling experience and mm. if you're curious more about that just check out the moon club instagram and there's a bunch of testimonials there that people talking about retreats and cool. how their lives have changed and the next one at 1440 Multiversity is in a completely sacred and magical place. There are redwoods. There's an infinity pool. There's a sauna. Um, I went on a retreat there last summer, and I was just, oh, I was so taken by the magic of the land. It's a powerful, magical place. Mm, and it's over Mother's Day weekend. Yeah. So we're going to be getting deep into the themes of 
what it mm-hmm. means to really mother and nurture ourselves actually and each exactly. other to be there exactly in connecting that to that for each other mm-hmm. yeah inner divine mother the mother mm-hmm. archetype mm-hmm. the feminine wounds and how we can nurture those and love those and bring a yummy whole feminine back mm-hmm. we all have the inner feminine and masculine the anima animas as Carl Jung would put it and we're working on the feminine side that weekend because we work on the other side quite often as well so you can bring your mom you can come on your own and dedicate your practice that weekend to to your mom to your inner mother um to mother earth it's all all a part of it so we hope to see you there and then we have a retreat in J- J- and that's in california and we have a retreat in july at Kripalu in massachusetts um if you're on the east coast and you want to come do some summer work with us last year it was truly divine there were 50 women there just like screaming and shouting and (laughs) opening and sharing stories that literally like i was just like whoa lord warriors from the minute we opened the container on that retreat, it was just lit, as they say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so so this is, you know, to finish up to say, I may no longer be actively involved in Moon Club, but this re- collaboration-ship is thriving and well. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll continue to be working together, um, helping each other, growing together, loving each other. Yeah, Ruby's going to help me edit my book. I'm hiring her. Yes. I'm, I'm super excited about it. I have a book coming with Sounds True in 2020. This is like dream job for me. I'm going to help Alexandra edit her book. Because like you, you, know, you shared, your, your calling is to mentor women, to work with groups, to create community. My calling is really to work with words, to tell stories, to help other people tell their stories. I've really realized that that's it for me. And that's what I want to be doing more of. So I'm um, so yeah. stoked. For so that's that. our next collaboration. <laughs> that's our next collaboration. And then many more to come. Yeah. So I hope you guys have um, enjoyed meeting Alexandra and getting to know her a little bit better, getting to know why this woman is so special to me. Thank you, Alexandra, Aww. for coming on today and sharing. And um, I will see you very, very soon. Very, very soon, east side. And for those of you all listening, follow me on Instagram. I write daily and I do little morning messages of um, downloads and musings and inspirations for you. I'm going to share tons of links and all sorts of other juicy stuff in the show notes. Bye for now. Bye. So there she is, one of my favorite people on the planet. And also one of the people who has made me the most uncomfortable who has presented me with the most confronting situations and conversations, and in doing so, who has helped me to really see myself in my fullness and accept myself in my fullness. This is what we have been teaching in Moon Club, what Alexandra is carrying forward with the program. So please, please check it out at We Are Moon Club and consider joining, even if it's just for a few months to dip into the teachings. We'd love, love, love to have you on one of our retreats this summer. I'll include all of the links, um, along with a couple of my favorite articles from Alexandra's Holy Fuck series, all about sex and spirituality that she's been writing for The Numinous for many years now. That's all for me this week. I'll be back with more juicy conversations real soon. This podcast features original music and is edited by alloaudio.com, www.alloaudio.com.